This is Green Seas, a podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to talk about e-fuels. Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about our upcoming Green Seas Fuels Forum. We'll be taking to the stage in New York on March 9th to discuss alternative fuels, with a special focus on the shipping industry leaders who are investing in low-carbon fuel technology today. Visit tradewinds.events to sign up. Heligoland has just a little more than 1,000 residents, and the windswept island on the edge of the North Sea is a popular destination for tourists who want to get away. Here's a travel documentary from German broadcaster DW. One square kilometer of red rock in the middle of the North Sea. This is Heligoland, Germany's only high seas island. Enjoying nature, letting the wind blow all around you and relaxing. That's what many people who come here want. But Heligoland has a hot commodity, wind. And it's looking to use that resource to make what could one day be another hot commodity, green hydrogen. As Tradewinds recently reported, officials on Heligoland have hired a consultancy to find out whether it can sell green hydrogen to shipping companies that want to power their vessel with this carbon-free fuel. This is Dorothy Gertz, a terminal planning specialist at HPC, Hamburg Port Consulting, the company hired by Heligoland officials to explore creating the hydrogen fueling station. This is the only high sea island in Germany, and this is located, as you said, closely to a offshore wind farm. So, um, yeah, this is why there's the opportunity to look into production of hydrogen offshore directly at the wind park. Um, and so they are looking into, first of all, uh, converting the energy provision of the island to hydrogen. But there's still some overflows in hydrogen that there would be the opportunity to be used. Fuels that are made from electricity are called e-fuels, and they offer a tantalizing prospect for a shipping industry looking to decarbonize. If produced with hydrogen made from renewable electricity, they can be zero carbon all the way up the fuel supply chain. That's a sharp contrast to most hydrogen, methanol, and ammonia today. Their greenhouse gas emissions may be low when burned on a ship, but they're produced using fossil fuels. But e-fuels are not in abundant supply, and they're expensive. In the North Sea, there are shipping companies that may want Heligoland's green hydrogen. For example, Belgian shipping company Compagnie Maritime Belge, through its Windcats workboat subsidiary, has ordered vessels powered by hydrogen that will operate in the offshore wind sector. There are also passenger vessels serving Heligoland that could switch to the fuel. The island may be a unique circumstance, a place where supply of zero-carbon fuels may be matched up with demand for the fuel. Or maybe not. Gertz explained to me that Heligoland has another use for its fuel to clean up the island's own energy use, particularly in winter. The overflow might go to shipping in the summer, but there's more green hydrogen production in the winter when the winds blow the hardest. So it's difficult in this case as well because of this production in wintertime and the need for fuel mostly in, during summertime. So you right. have the storage issue. So this is why we are mostly looking into dual fuel scenarios. In addition to green hydrogen, the key e-fuels being targeted by shipping include green ammonia and e-methanol. Methanol is in the lead, with several vessels already ordered to use the fuel. And although methanol has carbon in its chemical formula, it has the potential to have a zero greenhouse gas footprint when made with green hydrogen and captured carbon. For long-haul shipping, 
Both methanol and ammonia are seen as more viable than green hydrogen because they have more energy density. That is, they take up less storage space on a ship to produce the same amount of energy. But they are still more expensive than other alternative fuels. The International Transport Forum, a part of treaty body OECD, recently issued a report saying that to overcome that cost-competitiveness problem will require significant government intervention. That includes efforts underway at the IMO, the International Maritime Organization, to put a price on carbon, which the European Union is already planning to do starting next year. But the ITF also called for targeted interventions to bring down the cost of e-fuel production. This is ITF researcher Andreas Kopf speaking at a webinar to discuss the report. The technology is still in a very early stage of development, which means that actually a technology-neutral policy support may not be sufficient because the costs, they are just so much higher um, relative to other alternative fuels, such as biofuels, for example. He said those biofuels may play a role, but it remains unclear how big a role. And um, so that also means that we need targeted policies to um, kickstart uh, the production now and to achieve economies of scale as soon as possible until uh, we have some clarity. He said there also needs to be strict regulation on how the fuel's carbon footprint is counted to avoid double counting of captured carbon, for example, or to ensure the non-carbon greenhouse gas emissions from ammonia are counted. The IMO is also working on well-to-weight guidelines to calculate shipping's emissions. But the ITF's researchers said that what is also needed is additionality in the renewable energy used to make green hydrogen. If renewable energy that powers cities is diverted to make green fuels, that makes those cities dirtier. This is the ITF's Matteo Craglia. So it's very important to ensure that uh, new windmills, turbines, uh, solar panels are added to the grid um, to specifically for the purpose of producing e-fuels. And also that the electricity is produced at the same time that it is consumed. While the future of e-fuels lacks clarity, some companies are taking action now. Tradewinds reported this week that Danish marine fuels giant Monjasa struck a deal with a project called Host PTX Esberg. The PTX stands for Power to X, a term used to refer to turning electricity into synthetic fuels. Host PTX is planning to build a plant in Denmark that would use electrolysis technology to produce green ammonia. This is project director David Dupont Moritzen. When you decide to build a PTX plant uh, uh, at this uh, period uh, in time, you are ahead of the curve. I mean, you are actually leaning forward into a market that doesn't exist. You are leaning into regulation that is not in place. But to tackle the carbon footprint of industries like shipping that are known as hard to abate, because they're so dependent on fossil fuels. He said that's the action that needs to be taken. He said the scaling up of renewable electricity production has made electrolyzer technology commercially interesting, though it is still a big ticket cost in the project. Most of host PTX's planned output would go to the fertilizer industry, but he said that Manjasa will receive a not insignificant share to sell to its shipping customers. The project plans to make a final investment decision this year, but it's waiting regulatory changes in the EU that would allow it to certify the green hydrogen used to make the ammonia fuel. And the company believes Denmark's electricity tariffs need to catch up to the green transition. But DuPont Moritzen sees a future green ammonia market in which there is more demand than supply. And for shipping to get its hands on future volumes, he believes companies are going to have to change their mindsets away from the short-term focus of the current bunker fuel market. The maritime industry, they have 
a window of opportunity for the next year, maybe two, to actually do some long-term contracting. And this is where we hit uh, the main uh, roadblock because uh, the mindset of the maritime industry is, uh, you know, day trading, uh, fossil fuels. And what we uh, see will be needed in the future is long-term contracts. It's uh, 5, 10, 15 years uh, until you have a liquid market. Here's more news on the environment and the business of the ocean. Our colleagues at Hydrogen Insight report that a project to produce blue ammonia in Norway has lost a key partner. Energy giant Equinor pulled out of Barents Blue, for which the company was to operate the part of the project that would capture carbon and store it under the sea. That is key because blue ammonia is a fuel made from fossil fuels in combination with carbon capture to reduce its greenhouse gas footprint. Read about it at hydrogeninsight.com. Details have emerged about a safety incident involving the world's first vessel that carries liquefied hydrogen. Tradewind's Gary Dixon reports that an electrical failure blamed on incorrect fitting work was behind a flame that erupted in the gas combustion unit on the Suiso frontier during its maiden voyage a year ago. The ship's builder, Kawasaki Heavy Industries, has told Reuters that the Australian safety investigation helped it improve its approach to such vessels. Read Gary's story at tradewindsnews.com. And our colleagues at Interfish have reported on the decision by the lobster fishery in the U.S. state of Maine to pull out of a key sustainability certification process. The move comes after the Marine Stewardship Council, an eco-label, suspended the fishery's certificate over the industry's impact on endangered right whales. Read about it at intrafish.com. Music for this episode is by Your Tunes on Pixabay.